0: chapter 28 of cordelia the magnificent this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org cordelia the magnificent by leroy scott chapter 28 how françois lost one mother One brief episode happened as this silent pair drove toward the city, and the telling of this episode shall conclude the record of what happened that day at Rolling Meadows, so far as events there concern this history. Gladys and Franklin were in the midst of the scene of extremely private but extremely enthusiastic congratulations, when word was brought to her that Esther wished to see her immediately in Esther's sitting room. When Gladys entered, Esther was standing, hat and coat on, over one arm Francois's cap and overcoat, and on the door near her were two big traveling bags. Esther's usually gentle face was hard. Her eyes were flashing. Why, what's this all about, Esther? exclaimed Gladys. Do you think after what's happened this morning I'd stay a minute longer than I had to at this house? Esther whispered intensely. You, you sneaking little beast, you. But, but Esther, stammered Gladys. That's what you've always been, cried the other. A crawling, cringing, sneaky, cowardly, treacherous little beast. I was sorry for Miss Marlowe this morning, what you helped do to her. I was sorry for her, but I couldn't have done much for her. The most I could have done would have been to say that you really were Francois's mother. But that wouldn't have really done much good, the way things were going. Besides, it was my chance at last to get Francois. Except for Francois, I'd never have stood you these last few years. And now, thank God, I don't have to stand you any longer for Francois's sake. But, but Esther, I, I, I don't understand.' Oh, yes, you do understand, but I'll put it in plain words so there won't be any mistake. I am leaving your house forever. I'm taking Francois away with me forever. I don't want to see you again forever. I don't intend Francois to see you again forever. There, is that plain enough for you? But Esther ejaculated Gladys. You can't do such a thing. Francois really is my child, and I'm not going to let him go. Your child, your child, the other cried contemptuously, after you just denied him in public down in the library, and after to save yourself you made me admit down there that he was my child? Oh, what a poor little coward and cheat you are. There's only one thing I can't understand. How you could be the mother of such a wonderful boy as Francois. He certainly got none of his qualities from you. After all, despite what we know about his father, there must have been a streak of something big and fine in the man. Certainly there was no other place for Francois to have gotten his good points from. Esther's voice changed from contempt to defiant, unchanging purpose. The denied maternity, which was perhaps the strongest impulse in Esther's spinster life, now rang out in motherhood's fiercest, most primal tones. I told the world Francois is mine, and from now on he's going to be all mine. You hear? All mine, and I'm taking him away. No, you're not, exclaimed Gladys with sudden fierceness of her own. I won't let you. After all, Gladys did have mother love of a sort for her son, but her love was hardly more than a weakly and spasmodically fluttering emotion compared to the overwhelming selfless passion that was Esther's. You won't let me, cried Esther. You can't stop me. I've kept my promise to you. Only two people alive know who is really the mother of Francois, know it so that they can prove it, you and I. You made me promise, in case you were about to be found out publicly, that I would say I was the mother. No one could prove I wasn't. I gave you my promise on one condition. That was your promise, that if I ever did save you by saying he was my child, then you were to let him become entirely mine. I've kept my promise, now you've got to keep your promise.' "'I won't do it,' snapped Gladys, with sullen obstinance. "'I never thought it would really ever turn out like this, "'and it's not fair of you to try to hold a mother to any such promise. "'You'd try to back out of it, would you? "'Well, so I can back out, and I'll back out of it "'in a way that will make you sick all your life.' "'Gladys looked frightened. "'How? "'You ought to know how.' It's simple enough. I've just said that you and I are the only two people that really know how to get the proof of who is the mother of Francois. Well, I'll get all the proof, certified copies of all documents, even if I have to cover every square foot of France to get them, and I'll prove who is the real mother, and I'll prove you are his mother, and I'll make it public. Hester, you wouldn't do a thing like that. Wouldn't I? I've heard a lot of talk about blackmail today. People being forced to do things by threat of exposure. I may be talking blackmail talk right now. And if so, let me say that there isn't a form of blackmail invented that I wouldn't use against you to make sure that you kept your promise. And I'll certainly expose you if you fail me. Now, do you keep your promise? There was a pause. "'the two women gazed fixedly at each other. "'All right, yes,' said Gladys weakly. "'That promise has got to include something else. "'I've thought it all out. "'Something might sometime happen, "'perhaps a legal technicality, "'where I might want to protect Francois and couldn't. "'If it came right down to real proof, "'I could never prove I'm his mother "'and so be able to protect him and provide for him.' through the fact of being his mother. So I'm going to adopt him all over again, and it's going to be 100% legal adoption. He'll no longer be adopted jointly by the two of us. You've got to renounce all claim to him, in every legal way I may require, and you've got to do everything else necessary to help me secure his full adoption by me. That's got to be part of your promise." Again, there was a pause as the two gazed at each other. All right, Gladys sullenly agreed. Then that's all, except to say that Francois and I shall not need, and certainly not accept, a penny of your money. What Francois may lack in luxury, he will more than be compensated for by being free from the contaminating influence of your person. And now, good Goodbye. Never before was I so glad to say two words as I am to say to you, goodbye. And so, about an hour after Cordelia and Mitchell drove through the great arched entrance to the estate of Rolling Meadows, Esther and the boy who was now all hers also drove through that entrance, and for the last time. Of course, the newspapers learned of this second departure. They treated Gladys with marked consideration in the matter. Gladys saw to it that they got the hint which gave them the proper angle upon the regrettable affair. The papers said—no, they did not put it so bluntly as this, but their intimation was clear. The papers intimated that since Miss Norworth's stepsister had publicly admitted herself the mother of an illegitimate child— Miss Norworth, out of deference to the ordinary standards of decency, and to maintain the irreproachable propriety of her home, had had to perform the painful duty of requesting her unfortunate stepsister to withdraw from Rolling Meadows, and with her child to retire into obscurity. End of chapter 28. Read to you by Tricia Wheeler. Stowe, Massachusetts. August Eighth. 2022.